Ben Silverio. I'm Andy Huddle. And I'm your host and post, Ansel Birch. And it's time, time to party! Yeah, give rock and roll to you. Gay rock and roll to you. Gay rock and roll to everyone. Back to time travel. Yeah, there it is. There it is. Yeah. Now listen. As you can hear, the party's already going. You've, you've stumbled in <laughs> yeah. to, this, to this wild Woo. party. But thank you for joining us for our third episode about Woody Allen's Midnight in Paris. As we mentioned in our first episode, where we gave you drinking and smoking rules, we acknowledge that. Woody Allen is a problematic person. Uh, it is, you know, it's hard. We we're allowed to talk about problematic faves if we talk about them critically and acknowledge their... He knows what he did. He does. He does. At least he's been told. Welcome to episode three of our look at Midnight in Paris. Uh, episode one, we go over the drinking and smoking rules. Episode two, we review the movie, share our thoughts, do some impressions, terrorize Ansel. <laughs> the usual and now for episode three we like to share something that we found interesting related to the movie in a little section that we call edutainment if uh you have an imagination of any sorts you can kind of see the hand gesture that goes with edutainment ba, 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 ba. yeah that one um we like to take a very shallow dive into something cool or something we thought was I'm cool. on the deep end watching that <laughs> film. Not at all. I'm in the deep end now. But the opposite of that is really. Boop, boop, doop, 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 I'm in the shallow. <laughs> yes, you know, as we like to say here at Time to Party, we like to take a lazy river of edutainments, just hanging out, talking about cool stuff. Stuff that we just think is neat. We just think it's neat. Exactly. That's what we look to do here at Time to Party. And you know, for edutainment section throughout our episodes, we've covered a lot of weird stuff, right, Ansel? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, it, it started out as like pointing out technology or new discoveries or something science-y. And it's kind of expanded to like pick and mix, yeah. whatever whatever caught your fancy as you were watching the movie. Right. Andy has chosen Woody Allen's filmography as his topic for edutainment today. So I mean, oh. one thing that, that I think is you know, like I was saying earlier, I, I grew up uh, with 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 Woody Allen's movies. You know, love him or hate him, uh, you know, his movies have always meant something to me, and. Uh, one of his movies that I think is is very much uh, a lot of people have never even heard of uh, is called Melinda Melinda, uh, and it, it the the premise of the movie is these playwrights are sitting at dinner and they're you know the one of them is a comedic playwright one of them is a dramatic playwright and they're each saying how difficult. Uh, you know how much respect they have for for one another and uh, the, the comedic. The comedic one is uh, played by Wallace Shawn. Um, Inconceivable. It's, you have just committed one of the great blunders. The first of which is starting a land war in Asia. The second 
That wall is shot. <laughs> yeah. If, if, in, in case you didn't know who Wallace John was. The teacher from Clueless. The teacher from Clueless. That's good. That's a good one. That's a good. It's one of my. It's one of my favorites. I, <laughs> I I keep it in my back pocket just just in case. So so Wallace Shawn plays this comedic director, and um, they uh, somebody says, "Okay, so I'm going to just pitch you this story, and then tell me if this is a comedy or if it's a drama." And they say, you know, this this couple is having dinner. And an old college friend of hers shows up, uh, unannounced. And basically, they each just sort of, like, take the ball and run with it. Uh, and uh, Will Ferrell uh, plays the husband in the comedic version. And then uh, the same actress plays Melinda uh, in both stories. And uh, Will Ferrell very much plays the part that Woody Allen would have played uh, in this one. And you can always tell which character... Woody Allen wrote for himself sure. to be in, uh, in, you know, Midnight in Paris, obviously. Right. He would Inez. Be... Inez, yeah, right. obviously. Uh, the, <laughs> the white Republican father of Inez mm. would be, uh, Woody Allen's part. Yeah. Um, Classic Woody Allen. I, 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 I just, I just feel like, you know, I don't understand Paris. It's, it's very, that, not very good. It took you till episode three to break out a Woody Allen impression. I, you know, it's very hard for me to just uh, to just bring out my Woody, and um, you know, every, every, everybody just uh, is so mean about it. So, so Will Ferrell, he he, there are times when he does kind of break into a Woody Allen impression, like you can hear it. Oh yeah, he gets very self-deprecating. Uh-huh. Um, and that's one thing. It's you know Woody Allen in his movies. He's always very self-deprecating, and which was part of you know his charm. I think when he was you know a human being before he became the demon monster we all think of him as nowadays. Um, but you know, but but again, like it's it's for me it you know in two thousand and four to like see Will Ferrell you know playing Woody Allen basically. Sure, it's very it's very unusual. Um, so throughout, and again, like throughout this great movie, uh, you know, you go back and forth from the comedy version and the drama version, which eventually go in very opposite directions. But by the end of the film, you can tell very much that the comedy is actually kind of a good movie, but the drama portion is just so over the top mm-hmm. and it becomes a parody of, you know, drama where Melinda is crying. She's hysterical and she's trying to like throw herself off of a roof, uh, and it's so over the top. Um, but you know, I mean, it's it, but there are some really great moments where you know, in one scene, a guy will be playing a piano in the drama version, and then when you switch over to the comedy, there'll be a small piano on somebody's desk, and like they, there's just little bits from one scene that'll be kind of like pulled into the next, which is uh, I think very. Very interesting, and you know, throughout throughout all of his movies, you know, especially in like uh, Radio Days, which is kind of a, a interesting take on his own childhood, when uh, you know a very young Seth Green basically plays a young Woody Allen. Mm. Uh, you know, you, he's not quite as self-deprecating, and uh, so the point I was trying to make is it's very interesting seeing a screenwriter, you know, write. Him write for himself, and then how other people 
play them. Well, they always tell you to write what you know. I know myself. Mm-hmm. You know, like, you, you ching. Um, and just <laughs> random, random fact here. I believe Jeff Goldblum's very first line on screen was in Annie Hall. Oh. He's at a party in California, and he's on the phone in a hallway, and he says, I need to speak to my guru. I've forgotten my mantra. This is where a segue would go if we had one. Uh, but yes, so while watching Midnight in Paris, there were a number of things I thought about uh, covering in edutainment. Uh, one being Hemingway, another being The Great Gatsby. Because it would give me an excuse to talk about why I dislike it. <laughs> but, I mean, most of why I dislike it came from us doing it, or covering it twice in high school. Oh, God. But, yeah, there was a number of things that I thought about looking into for my edutainment. But I decided to go with carousels. All right. When Gil Pender goes back to the 1920s. They go to a party at a carousel. Like you do. Like you do, apparently. Right, and that's when they meet the, the bullfighter and the dancer. And... So tell us about carousels. Sure. Uh, first, uh, how many different names for a carousel do you think I found? None. Horsey go round? I only got, uh, that's, that's one. So two? Roundabout, hurdy gurdy. Ha! <laughs> Oh, I like that. That's yeah. good. The Galloper. Oh. Okay. Uh, jumper. The Horse About. This is my favorite one. The Horse Tornado. Mm. And Flying Horses. All different names for a carousel. Interesting that Carousel is the one that won out. Yeah. I know, right? I think it's because... Uh... John Carousel was the better <laughs> marketer. <laughs> yeah, that's just how it played out for... <laughs> I can just I just want there to be like a boardroom meeting and be like, Alright, gentlemen, I got a new invention. It's gonna change the world. What are you gonna call it? I don't know, I got this list of twelve names. The Whirly Birdie. <laughs> Horsey Go Spin Spin. <laughs> Horsin' around. Twirly horsem horsems. <laughs> so the word carousel originates from the Italian carousella or the spanish carousella which means little battle and that goes back to what a carousel was originally used for it was it was originally a tool to get better at jousting what huh yeah huh so it emerged from early jousting traditions in europe and the middle east and knights would gallop in a circle tossing balls to each other which is apparently very hard to do um on a, yeah I don't know. yeah that yeah makes sense and so it evolved into this uh this wooden structure that would spin and you had to like use uh a lance to like get rings so it's like a never-ending when you would quintain. try to get the brass ring right exactly yeah. which is why cesaro got fired because he could never got uh grab the brass ring all right, he let his contract expire. <laughs> I mean, you are talking to a man who has emceed quite a quite a number of jousts. Exactly. That was why I was a little hesitant to bring up Carousel, because I thought that you would overshadow me with information. Oh, not me. It's... Oh. As the mayor of Bristol, I got to uh, oversee the first joust of the day oh. every day for about four summers. 
Oh my gosh. It was a uh, really good. It's it, good. Honestly, it was a really good time. That that sounds awesome. But uh, no, they uh, they did do test of skills where they would have uh, kind of like three rings, like a ring within a ring within a ring, uh-huh. and they would see who could get the smallest ring. So they did a they did a lot of really cool like feats where they would like throw uh, rings and stuff like that and try to try to catch it. Uh, but no, never never anything. They never did the ball passing. That's interesting. Yeah, that would have been that would have been a cool thing to see. Yeah. Although maybe it doesn't sell very well. No, it feels more well because they they would do because they only had uh, sometimes they would only have like two jousters hmm. uh, instead of all four. Because uh, they still had, you know, depending on who was available within the, uh, the their jousting company. Uh, but uh, they would do, like, feats of skill, which would always be kind of neat. Yeah. You, did you know that not all carousels go the same way? Some of them go anti-clockwise? In the United Kingdom, uh, they usually turn clockwise from the outside while the animals are facing to the left. Okay. But in North America and Europe, they typically go counterclockwise with animals facing the right. wonder why that would be. I know, right? It's just so random. But, you know, it's like the toilet thing in Australia, right? Well, no, that's why physics. It... No, it's not. You made that up. Physics isn't real. <laughs> right. Not like time travel. Okay, so it started as a thing you did on a real horse. Yes. Then it became a thing you did on a mechanical horse. Right. Then it made became a thing that children did. Yes. On a mechanical horse. And then it's the thing that Cesaro did. Alright, we have this whole timeline. Yeah. Well, this was fascinating. Okay, really cool. See that little shallow dive there? Yeah, we learned about jousting history. We learned about movies. Yeah. Great work, guys. Great work. We did it. Yeah. We did the thing. We did the thing. Jerry Seinfeld as Davy Jones. What? (laughs) <laughs> What's the deal? Uh, Jack Sparrow! I don't want to be a pirate! <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> Party people, thank you for joining us this month as we took a look at Midnight in Paris. Uh, it's been real fun. Mm-hmm. You know, uh... Hopefully Ansel watches it the right way. Yep, with my eyeballs. Yes, by the next time. But have it on, like, mute. Right. (laughs) Because you've heard it all before. You've heard it all before. Try try to overlay the experience. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, so if you want to chime in with your thoughts on Midnight in Paris, on Carousels, on Woody Allen movies. Well, if you chime in about Woody Allen movies, I'm sure that'll go into a bigger conversation that's great we'll talk but, about it you know it. we'll talk about it go ahead you know tag us because uh, you can find us on the internet on instagram and twitter i am at b 20 i am at indecisionist on twitter and at the indecisionist on instagram this has been an indecisionist production special thanks to april moralba for our podcast art and to marlon longed of marlon and the shakes for our amazing theme song to join in on this conversation Make sure to use that hashtag time to party. That's time the number two party. Well, what? well, now we must uh, inhabit two worlds of being on the podcast and not on the podcast. Right? 
gonna give me an existential crisis. Oh my gosh, this is like Schrodinger's Just say the thing. podcast. Schrodinger's podcast? Quick, before before one of us ceases to exist. Right. Before we fade into nostalgia shops. <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> yes, party people, until we come back to you with another awesome time travel movie. Be excellent to each other! And party, party on, on, dudes! dudes. Put that loop down. <laughs>